that the blood was shed, but that it's been applied to you, that it's been applied to your sins, to your past, and has taken them all away. So thankful for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you give him a great hand clap of praise? about what the Lord has done for you, if thinking about all the things you did that he paid the price for so that you could have forgiveness doesn't excite you, I'm afraid your wood might be a little wet. Because it doesn't matter how many years go by, I never cease to be amazed and inspired and made excited by thinking about what he did for me. That he, even while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. And people wonder why we get excited in church. I know we've got some sports fans in the house and playoffs are going on in the football season and some of you, your team's still in there and you're rooting for them. You're hoping that they're going to make it all the way and win the championship. There are some people in this world that'll get real excited about a pigskin being thrown from one end of a field to the other end but can't get excited at all when they start to think about the fact that there was a devil's hell, not a hell created for you and me, but one created for the devils who rebelled against God in heaven and that we because of our sin deserve to go there but Christ paid the price so that we don't have to and so I don't ever want to be a part of a church where I can't get excited about what God has done in my life and what God is doing in my life and what God will do in my life because he's the same yesterday and today and forever and so if he was blessing yesterday, he's still blessing today. He'll still be blessing tomorrow. If he healed yesterday, he's still a healer today. And he'll be a healer tomorrow. If he's ever delivered anybody in yesterday, he can deliver somebody today. And he can deliver somebody tomorrow. He does not get weaker or frail over time, he gets stronger and more powerful. The more we magnify him, the more we believe, the more that we can set our expectation on what he can do and not on what we can do, the more he can work in our lives. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So glad to have each and every one of you here on Wednesday night. My wife and I are happy to be back home. We enjoyed our time away. I'm not going to take away from that, but we are happy to be back home. Rejoice with uh, all of you for what God did here over the weekend. I hope that message on sacrifice challenged you. hope that Brother Oscar's testimony excited you. 
Hope you've been telling somebody about it. Because if he did it for Brother Oscar, he can do it for them. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to take our text from Daniel chapter 6. So if you want to turn to Daniel chapter 6, we'll read a few verses of Scripture there and kind of lay a foundation for tonight's lesson. We're continuing in our series titled, God is Faithful. Has he been faithful to you? I know he has to me. When my actions deserved that he would abandon me, he remained faithful. (laughs) His grace, his mercy covered my failures. His compassion overcame my transgressions. And I am so grateful for that. Daniel chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. And then I'll paraphrase a little bit, and then we will read our focus verse for tonight's lesson. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 6, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now, if you have a King James Bible that puts the phonetics in there, the way it looks like you ought to pronounce it is Darius. But I've said Darius for so many years, I may say Darius again tonight, maybe multiple times. So Darius, Darius, I'm talking about the same fella. Is that all right? <laughs> kind of like pastor the other week. Somebody apparently pointed out he was saying Mordecai or Mordecai, Mordecai, putting an extra uh on there. And you know, it just happens. Sometimes you hear a name a certain way so much, you can't help but say it that way. And so just bear with me whether I say Darius or Darius. He's not the main character anyway. He's just one of the supporting actors. Continuing on, verse 2, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. Again, Darius decided to set uh, princes over his kingdom, 120 total. And over those 120, he set three others to kind of be the ones that they would report to. And Daniel was among those. In fact, it says of whom Daniel was first. Verse 3, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, that's not the focus of tonight's lesson, but that'll help you in life. You want a better job? You want a promotion on the job? You want a little more, uh, you know, money in your paycheck? Develop an excellent spirit. And tonight we're going to talk about how Daniel got that excellent spirit, but the way he rose uh, in the kingdom was because he had an excellent spirit. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So King Darius is thinking about making Daniel over all the princes and making him basically, uh, you know, the the vice president, as you would in our country, with him being the president. But I don't know what you'd call that beside a king. Verse number four. Then, when King Darius thought to set Daniel over them, then... The presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, another key. You want to do well in life? You want people to like you? You want opportunities to open up for you? Develop an excellent spirit and be found faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Verse 5, then said these men, these Princes, these presidents who are wanting to find occasion against him. They 
said, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So there's nothing political. There's nothing on the job he's doing wrong. He's not slacking anywhere. There's nowhere we can point the finger to King Darius and say, you can't promote this guy. He's falling short. You don't understand the character flaws that he has. The only place that they think they can find an occasion against Daniel is concerning him following the law of his God. I'm not going to read the next verses, but we'll talk about what happened. So these presidents and princes go to King Darius and pitch this idea. Now, if you notice in verse 7, if you got your Bibles out, just glance at that first phrase. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains, have consulted together. So they go to the king and say, all of us got together and have decided that you should pass a law saying nobody can ask anything of any man or any god for the next 30 days except of you as king. They all have to petition you for whatever it is they desire. Of course, King Darius thinks this is a great idea. And if all the presidents and princes are on board, if all the governors and counselors are on board, man, it must be the right thing to do. And so he passes this decree, signs the writing that it cannot be changed. That was the law of the Medes and the Persians, that once the king had written out a decree and signed it, even he himself could not alter the decree. And so he puts it out there, and this is where our focus verse comes in. It's verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So they pitched the idea that we're all in this. Daniel obviously was not part of that conversation. He wouldn't have agreed to promote such an idea. And even knowing that the decree had gone and knowing the penalty that was written into the decree that if you violate this, you will face death, you'll be thrown into the lion's den. Again, this is not a, a new story to most of you. I'm not going to pretend like it is, like I'm sharing a story you've never heard before. The penalty is if you violate the decree, you'll be thrown into the lion's den, torn to pieces, killed. There's no appeal. There's no justification. There's no excuse you can make. This is the law that was put into place. And so this is where we're going to take our text uh, tonight. This is what we're focusing on. The truth that we're talking about tonight about God is that God's favor in my life is not dependent on ideal circumstances. I mean, when things are going good, we might feel like God's favor is there, right? We, man, God's just smiling on me right now. But when things aren't going so well, that's not an indication that his favor has somehow left you. And so the truth for my life, knowing that God's favor is not dependent on ideal circumstances, the truth for me is that I will trust God to deliver me even from my trials, from those times when I'm thinking, Maybe I did something to upset him. Kind of like Job. What did I do? Could you just tell me what I did wrong here? I, I'm, I, I don't remember really messing up, but the things that have happened, I must have really messed up here. Could you just show me? And that's why, uh, you know, we feel that same way. It's not an uncommon feeling that when things are not going great and circumstances are not ideal, that we begin to think maybe God's favors left me because I did something wrong. 
Sometimes life just happens, amen? And so tonight we're going to talk about uh, Daniel standing tall on his knees. Standing tall on his knees. Would you pray with me and just ask the Lord to speak to us tonight through the remainder of the lesson. Lord, thank you for your word that is anointed. You breathed it upon holy men and they wrote. We open our hearts and minds to you tonight and ask that you would open our understanding. Help us to get a glimpse of something maybe we've never seen before. Let it inspire us and empower us and encourage us in a way that we've never experienced before. Lord, help us to, just as Daniel was an example for us, learn to stand tall on our knees, learn to be faithful and have an excellent spirit regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. We ask it for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout history, uh, you've probably heard many of the stories, but throughout history, <clears throat> the Jewish people, the, the people of Israel, have faced many trials and tribulations that have threatened to destroy them individually and collectively. From the Babylonian exile, to the destruction of the second temple, to the loss of life at Masada, Ancient events often brought the Jews into conflict with other nations. The Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and deported the people, never allowing them to return to their homeland. The Babylonians destroyed the first temple and exiled the people. The Romans tore down the second temple, the Temple of Solomon. Uh, if you read through European history, you'll find that there were many massacres and uprisings that took place against the Jews. And uh, while there's many such stories, all of those stories pale in comparison to what we now know as the Holocaust. But like Daniel in our story, even through all of these various uprisings throughout history and even through the Holocaust, there were many Jews who chose and decided to maintain their unique sense of identity even in the face of hardship, even in the face of persecution. They continued to go to the synagogue. They continued to observe their rituals and their annual feasts. Under the horrible leadership of Adolf Hitler, the Germans forced the Jews to wear yellow stars of David to identify themselves to uh, everyone around them as Jews. The Germans placed the Jews in concentration camps and killed them. We know this. This has been taught in every history class since it took place. Nevertheless, many Jews remained faithful to their God and held on to their heritage, held on to the faith that had been handed down to them by their family and their teachers. Other individuals were also defying the wrong kind of authority during the time of Hitler. There was a Swedish architect who is picture is on the screen. He was a diplomat named Raoul Wallenberg, who he himself helped thousands of Jews in Hungary. Serving in Budapest, Hungary as a special envoy to the German-occupied country, Wallenberg did whatever he could to save the lives of as many Jews as possible. He did that by providing them with Swedish passports. Uh, one of the instances that has been retold was when there were many Jews sealed in a train and headed to their demise or to the very best, uh, extremely torturous living conditions. And Wallenberg climbed on top of the train and began handing out Swedish passports through the doors. 
The Germans that were there repeatedly shouted at him to disembark, to get off the train. But he courageously refused. There was a group of soldiers there known as the Arrow Cross men who began adding shooting to their shouting. And Wallenberg ignored the deadly arrows that came whizzing by him as he handed out more and more passports. Many people who were there wondered how the arrows missed a sitting duck who was sitting on top of a train. Wallenberg's driver speculated that the Arrow Cross men so appreciated and admired Wallenberg's courage that they purposely missed him. Wallenberg, however, hit as many targets as he possibly could by handing out those passports. And after he had handed out the last passport, he called for everyone with a passport to leave the train. He had cars waiting for the lives he had saved. The flabbergasted Arrow Cross men let him get away with it. They didn't stop him. They didn't stop anyone that he handed a passport to. And in that event, during his time there in Hungary, Wallenberg saved around 4,500 Jews. His courage triumphed over evil. Daniel, who our story tonight is about, also demonstrated tremendous courage as he continued to pray to the Lord despite the penalty of death that was in the king's decree. Daniel had lived a godly life, even though he had faced difficult circumstances after being exiled to Babylon. And then he saw the Persians rise to power, and he remained committed and faithful to his godly lifestyle. Throughout his life, Daniel stayed true to the Lord, even when his circumstances improved. He did not turn his back on God. Sadly, there are some people, I've known a few, you may have known a few, it seems like they can't live for God unless they're in a crisis. I mean, if their world's falling apart, they're here, they're praying, they're seeking God. But the minute God answers prayer, a job opportunity opens up, blessings begin to pour in. You look around, you're like, where's so-and-so? I haven't seen him in a while. <clears throat> but if another tragedy strikes, they'll be right back on the pew. And it blows our minds, those of us who, <clears throat> even in our imperfect best, even though we continue to fall down, we continue to get back up, and we, we just can't understand how, when God blesses you, God answers your prayer, how in the world can you walk away then? You got more to be grateful for. You got more to be thankful for. You got more to praise Him for. You got more reason to seek Him, to walk with Him, to get to know Him more. And yet, some people just seem to be the opposite. If God answers my prayer, great, I've got it again. Okay, I'll take it from here. <laughs> but Daniel wasn't like that. Even as his life improved, even as he rose in higher and higher levels of influence and power within these kingdoms, he never turned his back on God. Daniel could have taken the easy path to success in the Babylonian Empire. He could have. The doors opened. He could have at any point chosen to take a less... Uh, conspicuous path, a less, less uh, abrasive path even. He could have chose to try to blend in a little bit. He could have chose to compromise just a little and not stand out so much, but he chose to be as godly as he possibly could be in the face of all who were watching. As one of the first deportees during multiple exiles of Jews to Babylon, Daniel faced the very difficult decision of whether he would remain true to godly values or obey all of the new influences that surrounded him. 
Daniel chose to be faithful. And I hope that you and I will always find the strength to do the same. There was an opportunity to demonstrate his faithfulness presented very early when Daniel and his friends refused to drink the king's wine or eat of the king's meat. Perhaps enjoying the king's fair portrayed a level of friendly alliance with the king that they found unacceptable. Or it could be that the Babylonians had made meat offering uh, and poured out a drink offering to their idols and they refused to partake of anything that had been offered to idols. Whatever the reason, either way, Daniel and his friends asked to eat vegetables and to drink water. Of course, the person in charge of the Hebrew boys feared that they wouldn't do very well and that he would be called into question. But Daniel convinced him to just, well, test us. Give us 10 days. Let, let us do our way 10 days. And if we look bad, then we'll yield at that point. Well, at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked better than those who had been eating the king's meat and drinking the king's wine. So the guy in charge let him keep doing it. Again, they chose to be faithful to God. God showed up and was faithful for them. He didn't let them go looking all weak and wore out and ragged. He made them look well-favored, well-fed, so that they can continue to walk faithfully before him. Later uh, in the book of Daniel, in chapter 2, uh, they faced the difficult task of being asked to interpret a dream, even though King Nebuchadnezzar couldn't even remember the dream. Now, that's a hard task. I mean, if you tell me some details, maybe I can make up a reason, right? Make up a story. That's what the magicians wanted, the ones that uh, Nebuchadnezzar first called. Well, tell us what it was, and we'll, we'll give you an answer. We'll tell you what it means, but you've got to tell us what, it, what the dream was. Well, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't remember, and so he was going to kill everybody. If you can't tell me the dream and it's mean, I'm going to kill all of you. So Daniel, confronting his own death in that situation, as well as the demise of his friends and the slaughter of all the wise men or magicians of Babylon, Daniel asked King Nebuchadnezzar for a little time, well, give me some time to pray. I don't have the answer, but God has the answer. If you could just give me some time, maybe he'll give me the answer. And so Daniel prayed to the God of wisdom, and God answered Daniel. Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of his dream. And as a result, the king advanced Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the Babylonian kingdom. And so it's not long into the book of Daniel, as you read, that you come to see that Daniel realizes his success... The secret to his success, the secret to his rise, the secret to his influence was prayer. But in the story we're reading tonight, that ace he kept up his sleeve just might turn into a wild card if his colleagues have their way. Daniel's life was built upon the success of his prayers. It was due to his consistent prayer life that Daniel developed an excellent spirit. So if you want to know how you can develop an excellent spirit, start with prayer, consistent prayer. The Lord deemed the words of Daniel's mouth and the meditations of his heart acceptable. And as a result, he gave Daniel a wonderful attitude. Now, there's an old saying, and most of us have probably heard it, that our attitude determines our altitude. In other words... The better your attitude, the higher you can go. And the worse your attitude, the lower you will end up going. And we've probably all experienced some of both of that. We've had those times when our attitude was pretty good and everything seems to keep getting better and better. And there have been those times that we started with 
seeing our attitudes start to drop and things seemed to get worse and worse and our attitude got worse and worse and things got worse and worse. And so that's uh, a well-known saying and it's proven true that we can always fly higher when we act appropriately, when we maintain the right attitude. Now, nothing could be truer in a king's court than your attitude matters. I mean, one wrong word, one wrong facial expression, one wrong reaction could mean either demotion, imprisonment, or death. It was serious business. The book of Proverbs provides a great deal of advice to young people on how to properly conduct themselves in the palace. So if you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll see that quite often. Well, Daniel and his three friends here in the Babylonian kingdom and later the Persian kingdom needed even more knowledge of decorum and protocol given the fact that they were outsiders. They were captives brought over. And so it was even more important that they had a proper attitude. And Daniel's attitude had determined his altitude as he rose to be in one of the most prominent positions in the kingdom, one of the three princes who governed all the other of the 120 and was in line in the king's mind to become the one that was over all of them. And so his attitude had opened up those opportunities. He had achieved such high altitude by humbling himself down in prayer. And if we want to go higher, there's going to be times we need to go down on our knees, humble ourselves, allow God to shape us, allow the Word of God to mold us and to change the way that we act. Some people say, well, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Sometimes you need to take that thing and start cutting some stuff out. And yeah, it hurts. I know. But because that's the way I've always been, that's my personality, that's no excuse. Because God says you can change. I mean, this book is full of people who had to change. Right? People who had bad attitudes had to get good attitudes. People who were hopeless had to find hope. So Daniel found that the secret to changing his attitude and, and elevating his attitude so that he could elevate within the kingdom was by humbling himself in prayer. Despite his prestige in the kingdom, Daniel knew his success came from God. He didn't credit the kings for his success. If he had, then he'd have been more tempted to compromise and to follow their ways and their laws. But he recognized my success has come from God. And so if I won't continue success, I'll continue to follow the laws of my God. I'll continue to do the things that I know will please him. I'll continue to follow the Torah that had been handed down at that point in time, the teachings that he had been given. And if we want to continue to find success, we must do the same. The things that we see in the Word of God, the things we hear taught where we can verify in the Word of God that, hey, that's truth. And truth, truth can make me free. Truth can make me free from my personality. I felt that. Somebody here is like, I sure hope so. I sure hope he gets free from that personality he's got. I'm just teasing. 
The excellent spirit that raised Daniel in the ranks was the direct result of a posture of prayer. And it really doesn't matter where you're desiring to uh, find greater success. It doesn't matter if it's in your career. It doesn't matter if it's in your relationships. It doesn't matter if it's with your wife, your husband, your kids, your neighbors. Maybe you got some just ornery neighbors and you want a better relationship there. You'll find that success as a result of finding a posture of prayer. Pray. Because the problem with the ornery neighbor might be that you're as ornery as they are. You might be more stubborn and ornery than they are. <laughs> Maybe you don't realize your face is doing this all the time when they look over at you. <laughs> God poured out his favor on Daniel. He didn't withhold. He opened up doors and continued to pour out his favor. Why? Because Daniel was faithful. Most remarkably, God continued to support Daniel throughout changing circumstances. Daniel chapter 5 tells the story of Daniel prophesying that the Babylonian Empire would give way to the Persian Empire. Uh, many of you, if you've read the book of Daniel, are familiar with this passage. This is Nebuchadnezzar's son who has a vision of a hand writing on the wall. Meaning, meaning, tikul ufarsin. I can't say it right. I'm not, you know, but it's close. Let me hear you say it. <clears throat> but basically... Daniel told him, well, what it says is you've been weighed in the balance. You've been found lacking, brother. Like, your dad was puffed up, but at least eventually he humbled himself. You've been more arrogant than he ever was. And so the Babylonian Empire is going to give way to the Persian Empire. And that very night that Daniel interpreted the writing on the wall, that night that prophecy was fulfilled. And that is when King Darius of the Persians takes the throne. Many historians believe that the Persians diverted a river that gave them easy access to come in and attack and conquer the Babylonians. Daniel not only survived in this situation, but he also thrived. Just as he had risen in power in, in the Babylonian Empire, even so, God raised him above other leaders in the Persian Empire. Although the laws, the customs, and the rulers were different, Daniel relied on the steadfastness of his relationship with God to navigate those differences. Everything else could change. The king could change. The customs could change. The laws could change. Society could change. The type of people that are around him can change. The attitude of the people around him can change. Everything could change as long as Daniel's connection to the Lord remained strong. And as long as he... And his relationship to God through prayer remained strong. The favor of God continued to lift him up, to elevate him. As we read the story of Daniel, it stands as a strong example of faithful obedience. Faithful obedience in all kinds of circumstances. It also serves as a strong example of the blessing that comes from faithful obedience. We must remain faithful in the midst of changing and sometimes difficult situations. Like Daniel, we might face a corporate takeover at work, and it brings in new people, new policies, new leaders. And in those circumstances, we may fear losing our job or wonder if we can manage the challenges that we will face. Well, Daniel's life gives us strength to face those situations. It's an example we can turn to. And although we can't see everything in front of us, we have a God who goes before us. He sees the end from the beginning. 
nothing takes him by surprise. Which is why if we will humble ourselves and we will maintain relationship with him, he already knows the turns you need to make. He already knows the, the response you need to have. But the only way we're going to have that right response is if we're in prayer. Amen? All the great things that God has done for us, we need to remember. We need to hold on to those things. We need to cherish those things. And instead of casting our cares on tomorrow, we need to cast our cares on the Lord. Instead of casting all of our cares and letting tomorrow be a worry to us, a bring anxiety on us, cast those cares on God. Take them to God. Tell them what you're feeling. Tell them what you're facing. Tell them what you're not sure about. Tell them where you need wisdom. That's what Daniel did. God has proven faithful to us during difficult times. Daniel remembered all the ways God had walked with him from Judah to Babylon. He remembered how he rose under King Nebuchadnezzar. He remembered how he continued to thrive under King Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son. And he remembered how he had been rising even in King Darius's Persian empire. Perhaps when he prayed, Daniel testified of the goodness of God and thanked God for salvation and deliverance continuously, as we should. We have a video tonight. Brother Shaw, you and your team will play. Bible says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. That's found in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. So what's the connection between obedience and, and blessing? Well, sometimes when you do the right thing, even though you've been faithful, you face trauma and trouble. In Jesus' parable about the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand, both houses experienced severe inclement weather. The fact that we may live for God and walk in His purpose doesn't exempt us from trauma in life. Jesus was very forthright about this. He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Uh, sometimes it gets noisy around us though. Years ago, I bought an old car from my dad, just a junker for me to drive while we had a little nicer car for the family. It was a wood panel Chrysler LeBaron station wagon. And this was the epitome of embarrassment. Uh, it was a vehicle we laughingly referred to as a hoopty. Uh, so I'm driving down Goodman Road in South Haven, Mississippi when I stop at a light. All of a sudden, my hoopty starts making a terrible sound. It begins clicking and clacking and hacking and coughing. And man, I thought I was breaking down right there in the middle of a busy intersection. I look at the dashboard as if I would know what to check. There are no gauges, only what my dad used to call idiot lights. If you've waited to take care of your vehicle long enough for the warning light to illuminate, you're an idiot. That's, that was the explanation. No lights were on. My car was not running hot. I could not figure out what the problem was. I began trying to guess what the repair bill would be. Would it be 300? Would it be 500? Would it be 1,000? Should I just get rid of the vehicle? Then the light turned green. My troubles drove away. 
and left me still trying to gather my wits. When the light turned green, the horrific noise ceased. I realized it wasn't me at all. My station wagon was fine. It had been the dilapidated gray primer pickup with the door that didn't match that had been idling next to me at the stoplight. It was the problem. The truck looked like it had the muffler hanging on the bailing wire and there was a dog of questionable pedigree barking and fussing in the rusted truck bed in back. It wasn't me. I had just been surrounded by the noise. Now there are gonna be times in your life when you're surrounded by a cacophony of chaos and voices competing for your attention, just like it was in Daniel's day. Just be faithful to God. It's not you. Your engine is fine. It's the noise around you that's making you feel like the problem is you. Daniel was faithful even when there was all kinds of discord around him. This world can make you feel like that. You can rest through the darkest night knowing God will bring you through victoriously. And I ain't lying. Just keep being faithful to God. You'll come through every time. Amen. See, in our story, Daniel, even in the midst of faithful obedience, faced persecution. And you and I, even in the face, or in the midst of faithful obedience, we as well might face some persecution, some hardships, some trials, some heartaches, some disappointments, some frustration. And our human response may be to declare the complete unfairness of our situation. We have no idea why on earth we should be punished, especially when we feel as though we've done everything in our power to do what is good, acceptable, right, and pleasing in the sight of God. And when we consider these issues, an uncomfortable but important truth comes to light. Sometimes we face persecution because of our faithfulness. Hello? Because of, not in spite of, but because of our faithfulness. Our trials are not the result of sin. Rather, our troubles are the result of righteous living. Like Daniel, like Job, we must recognize the source of our trials, and we must refuse to give up despite our difficulties. And I think everyone that's here tonight's got that mentality, or you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night in a hot sanctuary sweating needing one of those personal fans right now I mean it was below freezing Saturday and tonight we're in here sweating only in North Carolina baby I'm telling you <clears throat> sometimes our trials make it seem as though the whole world is against us in Daniel's case, it certainly felt like that. All of the other presidents and governors and counselors supposedly had agreed on this decree that he knew he couldn't abide by. Now, was it really all, or was it this handful of envious, jealous colleagues who had told the king it was all? But he felt like the whole world was against him. Daniel was preferred above the princes and presidents in the realm. And as a result, they wanted to take him down. They wanted to bring him down a notch because they couldn't find fault in Daniel in his 
career, in his personality, in his uh, handling of other people, in his handling of his responsibilities, they sought to find fault with him because of his faith in God. And so, as we read, Darius decreed that for 30 days no one could ask anything of any god or human except the king. And anyone who violated the law would be cast into a den of lions. And Daniel would have to contend with a pride of lions due to the pride of the king. Because that's ultimately what these princes and presidents had appealed to. His vanity, his pride. Oh, you're basically God, is what they were telling. Nobody should pray to another god or another person. You're the only one. You're the one with all the power. You can do anything. And while Daniel had remained ethical, his co-workers had played dirty. They had used deception. They had used manipulation, trickery. But the question was, would Daniel take their bait? Now, Daniel could have chosen not to pray for 30 days. It's just 30 days, right? If he could have outlasted the evil scheme of the presidents and princes for a month, then all would have been well once again. Or would it? I think Daniel saw the big picture. He knew that faithfulness mattered. He also knew that these presidents and princes would not stop until they had found fault with him, until they could point to some fault and bring it to the king's attention. So no matter what they did, Daniel refused to stop praying. He said, if I stop praying for 30 days, they'll just try something else. So I'm not going to stop. I'm going to be faithful. And while we may want the Lord to reward us for our faithful obedience, we must be aware of the worldly resistance that may arise from us doing the right thing. Not everyone's going to celebrate when you do the right thing. Not everyone's going to come along and pat you on the back when you do the right thing. And that shocks some of us. You would think the whole world would want people to do what's right. But that's not the case. Sometimes our doing the right thing highlights their doing the wrong thing. And they don't like that feeling. When we pray, the Lord blesses us with an excellent spirit and the opportunity for advancement. Others may despise our blessings. They may seek to harm us or to destroy us, to ruin our reputation. And like Daniel, we must continue praying. Our spirituality is not conditional on our emotions. We may be feeling discouraged, but feeling discouraged doesn't mean we quit praying. We may feel angry that someone tried to harm us in some way. We may be hurt and offended, but those emotions aren't caused to stop praying. Our faithfulness is not conditional. Instead, it needs to be consistent, just like Daniel's. Doing the right thing led Daniel into one of the most difficult trials of his life. Again, most of you are fully aware of this story. Even King Darius felt sorry for Daniel once he found out what had happened. He realized that he had been bamboozled by these guys. He realized that he had been tricked, but there was nothing he could do. It was the law of the Medes and Persians that once the king wrote it and signed it, that's it. There's no changing it. So even King Darius was hoping that God, Daniel's God would deliver him. The king could do nothing to help him because he had made such a foolish decree. Daniel's deliverance depended on God and God alone. And for some unknown reason, Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't appear in this story. We don't know where they're at, what's going on with them. They couldn't help him, though. The king couldn't help him. And many of Daniel's colleagues sure weren't going to try to help him. They're the reason he was there in the first place. And so God intervened. 
God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. What should have been a terrible ordeal that ended his life and a horrific death proved to be yet another miracle for Daniel. He had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He had feared no evil, for he knew his God was with him. And even though the Daniel, uh, king could not be on Daniel's side because of the foolish decree, he still loved Daniel. He cared for Daniel. He liked Daniel. And so the king spent the night fasting for Daniel's safety, and he kind of hoped the lions would follow his example. I'm fasting. Why don't y'all fast with me? <laughs> and they did. <laughs> they did. The lions chose not to partake of the prophet due to the Lord sending an angel to shut their mouths. Daniel's innocence saved him. Daniel's faithfulness to God allowed God to be faithful to Daniel. And although the court of public opinion and even the foolish law decreed death, the Lord overturned the death sentence because God rules over birds and beasts, even lions. And so in the end of the story, the tables were reversed. Those who had wished ill will toward Daniel had hoped to see his destruction, even his death. Once Daniel came out of the lion's den unharmed, King Darius said, I tell you what, fellas, y'all might have tricked me. I know where y'all going now. And so he threw all of those who had come to him and talked him into that decree into the lion's den, and they weren't fasting then. Lions had an appetite then. They didn't even hit the ground before they had been devoured. And so we learn valuable lessons here on that even in these hardships, even in persecution, even in uh, those circumstances where those that you work with are trying to harm you, trying to make you look bad, your neighbors causing problems and you don't understand why, or, uh, you know, a family member is trying to bring up strife and, and within the family and you can't understand why they're trying to turn people against you. Just remain faithful to God. Don't let that pressure cause you to take a step backward, but rather let it compel you to take another step forward toward God and allow God to be your advocate. Allow God to make the difference in the situation. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray and just ask the Lord to help us be found faithful like Daniel. Can we do that together? Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the example that we have here in the book of Daniel of what it means to be faithful even during adversity, to be consistent, to find power by becoming humble and seeking help, finding strength by acknowledging that in ourselves we're weak, that we need you. Would you help us, Lord, that no matter what circumstances we face, no matter what situations arise, no matter the hardships we may have to endure, help us, Lord, to know that you are always with us. Help us to maintain our integrity. Help us to maintain that consistent relationship with you so that our reaction, our attitude will always bring you glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.